once you lose your job, majority of uh, individuals have health coverage attached to that. And without a health coverage in, the, in this climate right now, it can be worrisome. So you have that component then leads into the mental health components where the stress and the worry and anxiety comes in. Hey family, I'm Leon Guidry. Welcome to the Brother Be Well podcast. Our conversations focus on mental health and wellness. Our intent is to provide a safe space for boys and men of color to reduce disparities, remove stigma, heal trauma, and to end prolonged suffering. Listen up, y'all. Hello, my name is Michael P. Coleman. I'm content director and lead writer for Brother Be Well. I want to welcome you to the show today. I want to talk a little bit about COVID and the economy. We've had entire industries that have dried up. Some some have all but shut down. Some have shut down completely. We've got businesses, uh, entrepreneurs having to close up shop. And with all of that, there's an increase in anxiety and distress, in some cases, low self-esteem. And that's leading to um, higher rates of substance use. And you mentioned suicide ideation as well, Cherie. Um, polling data shows that more than half of the people who've lost their jobs reported negative mental health impacts from worry and stress over coronavirus. Lower income people are, are, are disproportionately affected there. And unfortunately, and still in this country, uh, black and brown folks make less money than our white counterparts. So yet again, is this something else we need to be thinking about as we're thinking about the mental health impacts of a virus that is disproportionately affecting black and brown people in so many ways? Kristen, I'll ask you to take it first. Sure. Yes. Um, you know, the the um, interesting thing about, you know, um, uh, what you're talking about in terms of, you know, loss of uh, jobs and <clears throat> the, the um, domino effect that happens once an individual loses their um, their financial stability. Uh, once that once that component um, occurs where someone loses their job and they're unemployed, you know, there's several other domino effects. Right. So when you once you lose your job. Um, majority of uh, individuals have health coverage attached to that. And then now um, individuals are looking at um, a lack of health coverage. And without a uh, health coverage in, the, in this climate right now, it can be worrisome. So you have that component that then leads into the mental health components um, where the stress and the worry and anxiety comes in. Um, one thing that uh, I'm really seeing uh, with individuals and, and patients is that uh, COVID-19 for people in recovery, for example, um, there's a decrease in narco- narcotic treatment facility. So uh, part of um, being in a uh, non-narcotic treatment program is uh, the ability to go to an actual physical clinic and receive your, your dosage um, through certain um, only through certain clinics, which is a very uh, highly uh, regulated uh, program. Uh, so individuals are uh, not being able to receive their medication uh, for, their, for their addictions and less access to substance use disorder services, uh, such as group treatment and one-on-one therapy. So individuals who, uh, who are in a NA program or AA program, they're relying on that social connection of meeting with those other 12 individuals or 11 individuals in that group setting. And now that's being taken away and they're being isolated in the home. So more isolation has exacerbated addiction and habits in that sense. Um, so when you look, you look back our, at our discussion prior, actually, um, about uh, disparities of families of color and race, not being able to work from home, I think those, it's just a compounding effect of once someone loses their job and that um, uh, financial stability and that medical stability, um, it kind of rolls into other mental health conditions. I I think you're probably right. Sheree, do you have anything that you'd like to add to that? 
Um, I would I would say the other thing that we have to realize, you know, back to the beginning of our talk tonight, is looking at the social determinants of health, and it's why it's so important for us to um, be equally invested in those things as we are as healthcare professionals, because those things do impact outcomes as well as patients presenting to healthcare institutions or to other healthcare professionals for help. So it's really important and an upstream solution to helping folks during this time is really to look at those things that like, you know, the joblessness and the trickle down effect of that are, are the loss of um, health coverage or insurance. So one of the things that we really have to hold our elected fish officials um, accountable for is working on those social determinants of health because that is healthcare. Healthcare is not just what we're doing when you come in to see a healthcare professional. It's really making sure our communities are healthy so that we can have access to the things that we need to be able to not only survive but to thrive. We, we've talked about so much great information, uh, guys. I, I want to be respectful of your time, but I got a few more questions. Do you have time for me? Yeah. Yes, most definitely. Let's talk about um, COVID prevention. And at one point, COVID prevention was going to be a whole separate conversation. I was going to do something mm -hmm. called the, the mental health fallout from COVID prevention mm -hmm. as a whole stream yard, a whole session. But let's include it here. We we know about three pillars. We we can get by on hand washing. That that's pretty simple and I don't think has too many issues. But I want to focus here on um, social distancing. We know how important it is for us to remain distant from people. You know, the number I think is fairly arbitrary. It's six feet, eight feet, ten feet, whatever. We know we need to stay distant from people. We need to avoid large gatherings. We need to avoid large crowds. For an extrovert like me, right up front, that caused a little anxiety. I get all of my energy from social interactions. So the minute I heard you couldn't go out, you can't go to the movies, a lot of the reason I went to the movies was because of the crowd. I didn't pay $15 to see a movie because I felt like it. That, that crowd, that energy, I, I got a lot of, of uh, positive feedback for it. helped my mental health. So I was a little concerned about that. Talk about the fallout. From, from doing what we need to do to stay healthy. We know what we got to do, but something like social distancing might cause a little stress. For, for Black men wearing a mask might cause a little stress. Mm -hmm. It causes me a little stress. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, as a Black man, I'm not going to walk into a bank. I haven't been in a bank since March because I am not going to walk in a bank like this. I look like a wanted poster. So talk about staying healthy and making the choices that we have to make and what the mental health fallout can be from that so that we can brace ourselves for it and get past it and do what we need to do to stay healthy. You want me to uh, go? Yeah, yeah go. take it. Yeah. Okay. Take okay. It, yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, so there, um, for individuals um, that uh, I work with that may be uh, struggling with uh, agoraphobia or uh, anxiety, uh, generalized anxiety disorder, um, I provide a, a few tips uh, to help them, or even extroverts, and uh, in individuals who are extremely extroverted, as you were saying. Um, I provide a few tips for them to really uh, to stay healthy during this time. And one is the structuring of your days. Um, I think that is really important. Um, structuring your days and developing a sense of uh, normality really does uh, help uh, feelings of hopelessness. And really setting that um, routine and follow as best you can, whether that's waking up, uh, taking a shower, exercising having that study time and even putting on work clothes, you know, that, uh, that really shows to um, boost your self-esteem and your appearance as well. Um, and also putting out your cheat meals. Uh, so for example, um, it's really been a struggle for individuals to stay on a, um, a regimen uh, plan in terms of how they're eating. 
um, individuals are ordering out more, they're ordering DoorDash more, uh, more than they would. Um, so really planning those meals out. Um, and also engaging in those hobbies, ho- hobbies and trying to space out your activities to consume your day. Um, that's really been helpful for a lot of my clients, um, really spreading out that time period throughout the day to make sure they have something going on throughout that period. And also keeping the social contact, doing really more than just um, um, meeting with your family on, on Skype, but really having those virtual toasts or celebratory events. So really it takes being creative in a sense. And I can't express more self-care, uh, self-care, self-care more than anything. Um, this isn't just about taking a bath or really indulging in ice cream or taking yourself to get a massage. You know, self-care encompasses a little more than um, all these important, but really emotionally grounding yourself to be able to handle um, the mental stress that will come tomorrow and throughout the week, whether that's speaking with a therapist or having your work assignments in order or boundaries, creating those boundaries with fit with family members um, and friends. So those are some of the tips I provide that have um, been shown to be very helpful for some of the clients that are dealing with uh, those mental health conditions. I appreciate that perspective, Kristen. We're going to get to agoraphobia, agoraphobia specifically in just a second, but but uh, extroversion, social distancing. Sheree, do you have any comments about that in, in addition to what Kristen shared? Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely an extrovert, and I I love a good gathering. So this was initially very uh, hard on me as well. But I just like to encourage people to think outside of the box and reimagine what your life is now. When the pandemic first started, we were thinking, what can we do temporarily to get through? But we're kind of in the long haul at this point. So definitely um, substituting some of those in-person gatherings that you would have with um, Zoom calls or looking at um, other modalities that are free ways to connect. A lot of the social media platforms have ways of connecting groups or watching movies together. Even Netflix has um, a modality to invite people to watch movies, a movie at the same exact time so that you can share commentary and connect in that way. So things may not be exactly the same, but looking outside of the box to find um, new and interesting ways to connect to people, um, call people on the phone, good old fashioned phone calls, uh, still work, having conversations, checking in on people. Um, it may take a little more of you doing something in a different way kind of meet some of those same types of needs. And I definitely agree with having a routine, um, especially if your kids are home doing um, distance learning, they should have a distance learning space. They should get up and get dressed and brush their teeth and shower and do their hair, all those normal things you would do to get your uh, day going and have a routine where this is the classroom, but when you're in your room, now you're chilling and watching TV, but you shouldn't do both because the lines get blurry or it's easy to stay in bed all day. So I think it's just mindful to think of, to reimagine um, your life and those things that make you happy and um, approach them in a different way. I, I think that's profound thoughts as well, um, Cherie. I joked with you earlier about this shirt and tie. I did it for you, but you know, I think <laughs> of my days that way. I get up and get dressed, not always like this, but I get up and get dressed as if I was going to the office like I used to, because Christian, I'd be one of those people that would sleep until noon if, if I didn't do things like that. So. Appreciate those comments. We we touched on agoraphobia. I want to get right at that. When when I pitched this idea for this whole conversation we're having to the Brother Be Well team, I was surprised by um, a colleague of mine with Brother Be Well immediately said to me, he said, Mike, I think you're right on the money. I am afraid to go outside lately. And I probed a little bit and I would you wouldn't necessarily know that talking to this individual, 
But 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 that individual said he is increasingly afraid to go outside. It's more and more of an effort. So I did a little research on agoraphobia. Um, reported incidents are up, diagnoses are up with the increase in shelter in place and stay at home orders. And there's a lot of research that says that social isolation, as both of you know, loneliness leads to poor mental health and to poor physical health. So let's talk about it. Have have both of you or either of you seen an increase in the number of people you're treating that that are, it, it just really paralyzed me. I've, I've not reached that point yet, but I can see it's a continuum. And with, with some of the data coming out, you see the, you get barraged by the media and all the numbers with regard, regard to COVID. I, I could see an individual beginning to shut down. And when this friend of mine said, I'm afraid to go outside, it just really touched me. So I wanted to talk about it today. Have you guys seen an increase in the people that you're treating, the number of people you're treating for agoraphobia? There's, there's definitely been an increase in individuals who are reporting symptoms of agoraphobia. Um, but I think um, to, in addition to that, um, there's also an increase of individuals who are really having a difficult time deciphering between anxiety and agoraphobia. Mm. So, um, so that's really been a, a, a work in, in progress for many clients and patients to really um, help them understand if they're experiencing, you know, a pre-existing um, general anxiety episode versus actually going through a series of agoraphobia, and what, and and usually the reason for agoraphobia is the anxiety of about not feeling safe and uh, out in public or feeling like something's going to harm you. Um, and it's more about being in a crowd or in a subway or worrying you can't get out or maybe you'll have a heart attack and and die. So one mm. one of the uh, triage processes is really. Um, doing an assessment to find out what are they what they're afraid of. Are they afraid of going out in public and catching the virus? Or are they going? Are they afraid of going out and maybe experiencing one of the pre-existing uh, symptoms, uh, which is you know just the general idea of not feeling safe in public. So really deciphering that for uh, for patients is is helpful, um, and then you're able to work with them um, within that um, spectrum. And also when you're looking at the actual populations um, in uh, uh, and cultures, for example, the Hmong culture, for the first uh, six months um, of the uh, pandemic, uh, once the shelter in place occurred, there was an increasing rate of the Hmong, pop the elderly Hmong population um, uh, experiencing uh, extreme isolation because of the message that you can't go outside. So it also comes down to messaging. Are we, are we providing the correct messaging, you know, uh, within the community um, and letting these individuals know that, yes, um, shelter in place is in order. However, you can still go outside and go for a walk or you can still exercise. You can ride your bike with a mask on. So these are some of the the, uh, the messaging um, efforts that are going on within the small community business organizations to really um, dispel a lot of the myths um, that are really contributing to uh, individuals um, experiencing agoraphobia. I, I really appreciate you making the distinction between um, agoraphobia symptoms and how that manifests itself and a, a more general anxiety. I really appreciate that. And that, that helps me out as a lot as I'm doing some more research uh, for Brother Be Well. Um, Cherie, what are your thoughts about that? Increase in people, the number of people that are afraid to go outside? Um, I think I was showing up for us in healthcare is um, sometimes persons are not coming in for care until it has really reached a point where now they're coming in for emergency services. Wow. Um, so you start to see things like the the rates of um, diagnosis of certain cancers and, and other issues decreasing. And you think, um, are those things decreasing or 
are they decreased because people aren't actually coming in to be diagnosed? So um, my worry as a healthcare professional in general is that um, those people that come in at the very first sign of something are now coming in um, further down the line and having more complex medical issues because of their fear for coming in. So it's one of those things where, you know, we've yet to see the total impact of this pandemic because um, all the people that would have come in for the, their preventative care or would come in at the first sign of an issue um, that may not ever come in at all or come in when it's too late. So I think mm. we're seeing more of that um, than just people purely um, coming out saying that they're afraid to come. They're just not showing up. Wow. Uh, you know, just a quick sidebar before we get into this next question. I, you reminded me, Sheree, of a conversation I had with the president of your organization, Carter Todd. I've lived my entire life for most of my life with kind of a, a low grade fear of doctors and hospitals. It all dates back to a, a childhood experience of mine. I, I won't get into that because I need the tissue in front of you guys. So I won't get into it. But I've managed that for my entire life. And for my entire life, until two weeks ago, I assumed that medical professionals would have no idea of what I was dealing with there. And I was talking to Carter Todd and he said, are you kidding me? I'm terrified when I have to go to the doctor because if anything else, we're on the inside. So, so it's a complete, it's a, it's a fallacy that we're not dealing with the same things you're dealing with. And in fact, we might have it even more. So I have to tell you that, that if nothing else, when I have made my next doctor's appointment, I'm going to be a little more at ease knowing it's not just me, even the medical professionals have some level of apprehension of anxiety when they've got to seek medical treatment. So thanks a lot. Just a little sidebar. I had to mention that. This has been the Brother Be Well podcast. I'm Leon Guidry. Shout out to our sponsors, Sutter Health and the Sacramento County Division of Behavioral Health Services through the voter approved Proposition 63 Mental Health Services Act. And don't forget our goals to reduce disparities, remove stigma, heal trauma, and to end prolonged suffering. If you have feedback on today's episode, tweet us at BrotherBeWell or email info at BrotherBeWell.com. Click the subscribe button right now and plan to join us next time. Until then, be well, brothers. Brothers.